Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MindSpark podcast. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Sparkman. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about childhood education in makerspaces. And this is a little bit of a uh, deviation from our series on creative thinking and design thinking and stuff like that, because we wanted to introduce our upcoming summer class, which is going to be in uh, scratch programming for kids third through 12th grade. So we had a really interesting conversation with Judy just about um, kids using emerging technologies and how we see these kids adapt and use these technologies. And yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Judy and Alicia. Um, uh, Judy, tell the people who you are. Um, hello, my name is Judy Hunter. I am the director for the Makerspace, The Spark at the University of North Texas Libraries. And Alicia? Hello, I'm Alicia. Um, and I'm a lead maker at The Spark at the University of North Texas. Welcome to the show. So today we are going to be talking about childhood education in makerspaces. And it's pretty much talking about something that we have all contributed to in the past. Is this our commitment in the space to reaching out to kids and ensuring that they have access to emerging technologies and really allowing them to experience a different way to learn things. So my first question is gonna to go to Judy. And my question for you is, why is it that our space in particular has been so committed to childhood learning? Like what is our, I guess our mission behind always making sure that kids have access to these technologies and they're learning things in different ways and creative ways. Um, what is our mission and maybe what is our goal with that? So there's, it's twofold if you really look at it. Um, we're part of a recruitment for the University of North Texas as a whole. So by reaching out to individuals when they're young um, and having them get an experience where it's educational, but it was fun, it's hands-on, it's something that they can apply as they're moving forward in their life, um, it's, it gets UNT into their mind. So it's kind of a good recruitment um, tool that the university has that's just sort of organic because it's not like we're out there telling them you know that they need to pick UNT yet we're just giving them this experience where they kind of maybe have never looked at a university at, at any level before maybe they're the first generation in their house to even have university in their mindset and they get this exposure that can kind of take away the fear of a university and and get yeah. them excited about what it could mean to be on a university um but it also gives the employees of the makerspace a really great level of experience working with people from all different kinds of backgrounds and age levels. Um, because then when you say that I can teach this topic, you've really been challenged to teach it at multiple levels to different people. Um, so our, our mission really is to increase, you know, the technology fluency that people have with emerging technologies. Um, and to give people a safe space to experiment at no matter their age um, and yeah. exploring what a university can provide for you, whether you're in kindergarten or you're a college student, it gives you that idea of the university is my friend and I can learn there and grow. Yeah. And it's also, it's also a really nice segue because it's like you, we, 
when we ha get have these kids over or when we do our reach out to different uh, school programs, there's always that sense of wonder and excitement that we can sense in the kids, like when they're doing things and they, they're seeing the result of their own actions. It's like literally the spark in their eyes. I feel like it's a really good um, um, learning experience for them as well. Yes, and I think it can have a, a big impact on their approach to learning as they move forward. So, you know, it, it may not be that they find that they're a coder per se, but the the involvement in learning code in a fun way gives them a, just a different way to look at learning in general. Mm -hmm. And with everything going on this year, with the COVID-19 crisis, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, sorry, um, we have been able to transition this summer are not workshops that we would normally have to a summer spark programming class um, for kids from third grade to 12th grade. So Alicia, my next question is for you, since you've been kind of planning the syllabus and the activities that the, game, uh, that the students are gonna learn when they're, when they're with us, what has that experience been like for you um, teaching or creating a program for kids versus creating a program for just adult learners? Um, so it has posed a few challenges just because kids learn differently than obviously college students or high school sure. students. Yeah. Um, their developmental level is not where a high school or college student would be. So we have to take into consideration um, that every little detail does matter when you're trying to teach kids. Mm -hmm. um, you have to set your ground rules and everything in the beginning yeah. and then making sure that there's a kind of vocabulary um, and that we're making ourselves readily available to answer to any kind of questions when we do give them that kind of vocabulary, such as like... Um, for example, since we're doing Scratch, we're doing Scratch, um, Scratch the Scratch programming language. <clears throat> um, there's certain things like script, the scripting area, the code, the code blocks that we go over, and we want to make sure that they understand all that. Yeah, and it's, um, it's so definitely when I'm doing. Yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, definitely when I'm doing like a a workshop for college students is completely different because I don't go into depth as much because I. I go ahead and think that they're probably going to understand the majority of it without me having to go into like specific details. Whereas yeah, sure. with the child, it's different. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because Judy actually mentioned something that has kind of stuck in my brain. It's that we always just assume that, you know, the younger generation are tech savvy. You know, they have their phones and they were born in the age of the screen and everything like that. But then doing, I guess, your practice session you realize that there's actually a lot that kids don't know about technology right yeah they it, one of the things that we found out was um a lot of the kids didn't know how to switch between tabs on mm. um like google chrome or firefox so we had to go over that with them also right. saving their projects we have to go over with them which for us as adults or college students high school students and we automatically just know how to do that and yeah. we don't have to be shown how to do it. So we do have to take those extra steps to make sure that they're understanding all that stuff. Yeah, this is completely unrelated, but I had a, I have a friend who um, one day he was doing homework and he had this Chrome document, like Chrome tab open. And mm -hmm. it was just like a huge, I don't know, like it was just like a really long wall of text. And he was looking for something specific. And I said, why don't you use the find function in Chrome? And he's like, what? And he's like <laughs> in his senior year. Yeah. And I, I proceed to show him how the find feature works and showed him that he could search the 
you know, the whole document without actually reading through it. And he almost yeah. shed tears because he's like, imagine <laughs> how much time and like effort he could have saved throughout his undergrad career. But right. I digress. Yeah. That's actually happened to me too. Like when I was a freshman in college, I didn't know about the, the flying function until like my second semester. And I was like, this is going to make my life so much easier. <laughs> right. Like revolutionary. Right. Yeah. Um, so another thing I wanted to introduce this episode this mini episode is this concept of creative play and it's been really interesting as as i've been doing my research because there's several aspects of um development that happens when children engage in creative play and one of the most interesting aspects to me has been this concept of intellectual development and it's basically that through creative play children actually learn very important problem solving skills um and get this opportunity to express their imaginations outside you know like their own self and i think that encapsulates the kind of experience we have when our programs are successful it's that um children really do become problem solvers so i wonder what that experience has been like for you judy in like recalibrating and relearning to configure our programs for kids So I would definitely say that, you know, getting them to physically engage with um, a new technology and seeing them figure that out, not only are they, they're critical thinking, they're problem solving, they're going ahead and and trying things and not so scared to fail. Um, And I think that you can see that exposure in the kids and then they're so excited and so proud of themselves. And it, but you can see in, when we did the one week class, um, and we saw the same kids over and over again, you could see them with the building of their confidence and their willingness to try something that maybe was a little bit harder and um, how excited and proud of themselves they were as they were going through and then how that translated into new challenges. So it had a lasting effect throughout the whole week. It just Mm -hmm. continued to build instead of um, diminishing just after you have that one activity that's completed Um, It just kind of continued to build their confidence. And I think getting them outside of that and looking at problem solving without having to call it problem solving helps them kind of really um, own that skill set without having to feel like they're being dictated that this is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the the students, uh, what we see with the kids that are in our programs is a true growth in, in their experience and what they're willing to give a shot um, fail, learn, and and that comes into that troubleshooting and critical thinking about how this problem was developed. Right. Um, for both of y'all, I guess, do y'all see like a trend with your uh, older students and your uh, between your younger students that uh, the older students that come in and want to learn in the makerspace have had those experiences when they were younger of being exposed to new ideas and creative play and just learning to get over the fear of just trying something new or has it differed of what y'all seen so from my experience with the um various so it really depends on probably more of their upbringing and who their parents are so you can tell the kids that we get that their parents are letting them experiment and do these things at home um, versus kids that they're like deer in headlights. This is the first time they've ever experienced it. 
Um, and I will say that we design <clears throat> most of our programs around those individuals that haven't experienced it before. Right. As we're still um, adventuring into this outreach to K through 12. So it's one of those things that, um, that you, it's not necessarily the age that makes the difference. It's usually more about the exposure that they've had in the past. Right. Um, but one of the first programs that we did is during university week, um, we went out to an elementary school and we had, um, what we called a technology playground. And so we had about six different stations and we allowed these students and we did, um, third, fourth, and fifth grade, but we were allowed to engage with second grade, but we didn't have them go through ours. Instead, we had them show us the programming stuff that they were doing. Right. And, um, even though they were already exposed to all this programming stuff, they were still really excited about the new things that we were bringing in. And you could see that they were already thinking about how they would work differently than the robots. Cause they, in second grade in this elementary school, they had dot and dash so that they're a little robot that's with graphical um, programming that's right for that age. And even though we right. had makey makeys, which use scratch programming, um, the kids saw it as something completely different, but they were already trying to think of how they could code that to do what they're getting the dash and dot to do. Huh. Really interesting. I don't know yeah. if that answers you. No, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, and to add on to that, um, from my experience too, whenever we're doing these outreach programs, um, you always see the kids that um, are kind of struggling, but at the end, they're really satisfied with what they learned. Um, so it's nice to see that too, that they're, they're still very engaged and they still want to learn all the information that we're trying to give them. Um, and then a lot of times it does make a difference for these kids and they go out and they explore um, these kinds of fields on their own, um, which I think is one of our goals that we're trying to do is to get um, younger kids interested in like STEM and STEAM related um, fields. Alicia, so following from that, I actually kind of thought about something because we both thought, uh, taught a lot of these workshops and Mm -hmm. One thing that I feel like is a recurring theme in the successful kids in this program, not that none of them are, are like not all of them are successful, but the most successful kids are really the most flexible because we can't even prepare for all variations of what's going to going to happen during the lesson. But the kids that are most flexible and most adaptable tend to always just keep pushing through it until they make their final project or whatever the end goal is for that session right and I think that has a lot to do with like um just I think what helps is the the whole makerspace atmosphere because you know like a makerspace in general you have mm -hmm. to be really flexible and be able to change around a lot right. um so a child that's able to do that I think just adapts to everything better when we're teaching it um, and yeah. because there, like you said there are going to be things that come up that um, we didn't intend to come up or we didn't foresee exactly. um, and we can't really do anything yeah. about it so we just kind of have to adapt to what's thrown at us at the time but I also think that that says a lot to how um, our instructors are preparing for these classes as well because the instructors attitude and approach to it and flexibility allows the kid to breathe through those challenges and be flexible um, and some students just aren't in general, and, and it's going to be too much for them if they're, if it has to be too flexible, probably. Um, but we haven't experienced that very much. And I think that we can credit a lot of that to the fact that the team that we have teaching 
any one of these uh, situations is prepared for anything could happen. So let's just right. make the best of the situation and, you know, creating a positive, fun environment as much as possible. I mean, when we have to enforce discipline, that's usually where I come in. But outside of that, you know, the team tries to incorporate um, fun things or fun comments that would be age appropriate to make it, you know, if we're, if we're teaching to eight, nine, 10 year olds, Fortnite references might be relevant. If we're teaching to, you know, high school, we probably wouldn't use Fortnite for that, you know, or something like that. And we try to make sure that we prepare ourselves for those age groups so that, you know, when something does not go the way we want, that uh, you guys are able to, you know, make, have fun with it and not let them get stressed or not show them your stress as you're trying to figure yeah. out how to get through right. the class. So um, no, I think the flexibility in the student is, is critical, um, but kids are so adaptable, generally speaking. So mm -hmm. I think if the adult in the situation, which in this case would be um, you guys, mm -hmm. I think makes a big difference in um, how the students handle when those kinds of situations come up and with technology, it's gonna come up. <laughs> right, of course. So going back to that topic of creative play, I wanted to talk about um, another aspect of development that happens when you know kids are engaged. It's physical, it's physical development. And I know none of us are like, um, like physical ed experts. So just um, your general opinion on how maybe these experience could help kids with hand-eye coordination, motor skills, um, muscle memory, and things like that, especially with you, Judy, because I know you um, help uh, make sure your kids are engaged with these kinds of emerging technologies. So I wonder if you've seen any of those improvements. So my thing with creative play um, with my kids is it, it coordinates their mind and their physical. So to me, like I always think of it is they're challenging themselves on multiple levels. So whether it's fine motor skills for being able um, to the senses that they're using and connecting that to the thoughts and emotions that they're having so that they have this emotional development that's happening along with this physical development. Mm -hmm. And that's where creative play really challenges um, kids I think you know with my kids that's why I feel it's important because um, it gives them a, a chance to be outside of you know maybe their everyday experience and and really dev into something and like whether you know they're having to connect Legos or Vex robots or they're having to you know program a makey makey they're still using like their eye hand coordination to do that and coordinating that to a thought process that they're working through the problem. So they're kind of looking at their emotional and social development as they're trying to figure out how do I want this story to play out? Even if I'm not telling the whole story, right. how do I want it to ex be exposed and every bit of their posture and exposure from their physical to their mental is it comes through. And I mm -hmm. think that that's important um, to have kids have connections for those. And it just kind of builds those connections over time. Yeah. So I'm just going to wrap up a little bit. Um, we've talked about the importance of creative play. We've talked about how kids adapt to you know, learning and the importance of these emerging technologies, especially in maker spaces where they have the opportunity to fail, they have the opportunity to you know, adapt and just 
allow themselves to have fun while doing these projects. So with that, I'll allow you, Judy, to introduce the summer programming properly and just let everyone know how we're going to be running that. The Makerspace is offering this summer, for the first time that we've ever done this, we're offering summer programming classes. Yes. And we're offering two sessions, um, meaning that two four-week sessions, but multiple classes during that session um, are possible. And during that time, we're going to be using Scratch to hopefully develop increased digital literacy for students. And um, the first session is really designed on getting students prepared for using Scratch programming. And the second session is really pulling all the skills they learn for how to use Scratch together and actually building a complete project that they'll be able to show a functioning project to their families. Um, the idea is that we're getting them thinking about how programming works and how you can put code together in different ways to get similar outcomes or how you can modify it to get a unique outcome that you're looking for. So we're hoping to be able to give students an opportunity to just get familiar with programming. They can continue on their own after they um, have completed the course. You know, it, it's um, one four week session is $25 per student. If they go ahead and sign up for session one and two together, it's $40 for both. So you get a little bit of a discount if you do both. They are completely run online through Zoom, um, but our goal is for the students to come out with an increased digital fluency with game design and programming. And we're focused primarily on individuals who have no or very limited programming experience in the past, but they do have to have completed third grade through 12th grade this last year. Um, so they, they have to be at least the, in the eight, nine year old range. Um, but that's kind of the, the gist of it. Excited. I think it's going to be a great learning experience. I'm kind of looking forward to it. All right. So last words, Alicia, um, how do you feel any parent listening to this can maybe prepare their kids for the program? Um, in the ways of preparing it, I think just having to just prior to the actual lesson starting, just kind of going over scratch, um, making sure that they understand where to go of their um, with their saved information and stuff like that. We'll be going over that as well in our first sessions. Um, but for the most part, it's gonna be a really interactive kind of lesson. Um, so the best way to prepare, I would think to just be a little informed about what Scratch is. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it is just gonna be up to the, the teachers and us teaching them about the different kinds of things that they can do in Scratch. Cause it is such, um, it's, it's very like malleable you can do a bunch of stuff with it you can do interactive stories you can do games and things like that so um just pretty much just being aware of what it is and what um what can be taught um another thing would be just using um getting familiar with zoom for the parents to kind of go over them over with their kid on how to switch through web the web tabs um because we will be using zoom for these meetings so um, one of the things that we do throughout the session is share screens um and sometimes you have to go to your zoom tab to do that instead of be on your, um, the tab that has Scratch. So just kind of going over that information and how to switch between those two tabs on your web browser. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's been great having you guys on and we will talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.